are scientific men, you can understand the wonder of what's happened. Just think, less than a month ago, Santa Mara was like any other town, people with nothing but problems. Then out of the sky came a solution. Seeds drifting through space for years took root in a farmer's field. From the seeds came pods, which had the power to reproduce themselves in the exact likeness of any form of life. So that's how it began. Out of the sky. Your new bodies are growing in there. They're taking you over, cell for cell, atom for atom. There's no pain. Suddenly, while you're asleep, they'll absorb your minds, your memories, and you're reborn into an untroubled world. That sounds awesome. It sounds I great. S- I know, right? It's like, like a good transition that's like ascending. It's like right. singularity. Right. Nirvana. Yeah. Let's just sign up. Sign me up. This is the fountain. <laughs> yeah. The precursor to the fountain. Right. Chairman Mao, let's go. Right. Chairman. Whoa. <laughs> where did that come from? Whoa. Pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last episode of Future Awards, Chris. How do we feel? Oh my gosh. It's been a wild ride, Dan. Um, what is, I mean, what's there even to say? I have, uh, we've both been waiting, right, for a while to do some yeah. science fiction uh, themed cycle of episodes, and we finally got it. And um, I don't know. I, w- I guess what I'm most surprised about is how depressed watching all these movies made me. Um, yeah, they're not uplifting films. No, I'm looking back it. to the ones that we looked at. Even the ones, the ones that are uplifting tend to be the ones that are not very good. Exactly. Or at least like within the realm of what we're watching. They're just sure. sort of like, ooh, like it, sci-fi works better for whatever reason at being dystopian. Yeah. And basically yep. like it's the end of the world. This is how it's going to end. It's going to be awful. It's telling it, the hard It's basically truths. a warning, right? Right. Um, and what do we have for the last episode here? Episode eight, <laughs> pre-1960s, two classics. Yes. I know. It's been a, I, it, this might be the first episode where we've done double 1950s films. Um, I think so, we, yeah. we dipped our toes in the water with uh, Rebel Without a Cause for the, um, uh, what, what was even the theme of that cycle sure. of episodes? Uh, 1950s, right? Oh, yes, yeah, set in the 1950s. Set in the 50s. Yeah, set oh, in the my 50s. gosh. So here we are with two, two movies, uh, like Rebel Without a Cause, that take place in the 1950s and are from the 1950s. And in addition to that, they're both black and white. Uh, we have The Day the Earth Stood Still, the original 1951 release, um, with the kind of infamous robot uh, uh, Gort. Is that, is that what they call this? In Gort? I guess. I'm just going to call it the robot and the alien. <laughs> the robot. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers will be our chaser for today, the 1956 original, which has been remade twice, um, which actually has at least one good remake, whereas Day of the Earth Stood Still. Did you ever see the 2000s one with Keanu Reeves and John Hamm? I think I tried to watch it, but couldn't get through <laughs> it's, it. It's so, it's so dreadful. It's I feel like beyond. all of the... And what was the remake of the Invasion of, of the Body Snatchers that came out? So the one that's good is 78 with Donald Sutherland. In Which I haven't Animation. seen that. Oh my gosh. You, you, yeah. That, that, I have lots of good memories watching that on the Sci-Fi Channel in the 90s. But the more recent ones, Nicole Kidman Nicole, and it's Craig Dan- David? 
All right, Dave. <laughs> I want to see that one. Yeah. Friday. Um, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Um, no, that one's dreadful too. Uh, yeah, the I couldn't in- get through that one either. The invasion. Um, what is, what's, what's the deal? Like, this seems mm-hmm. to be pretty obviously like a time capsule type of pair of films, right? And uh, of course, you know, we know what Hollywood does, especially post 2000 diving back and trying to recycle um old ideas but it it just seems like an it seems like there's it it seems like a no-brainer like you should probably stay away from these especially after they did well with the donald southern 9078 um body snatchers flick um but we're getting ahead of ourselves let's back up what is the deal first with the day the earth stood still because i believe you chose this one right did I choose this one? I, I know it's been these? too long. I don't even remember. Uh, I've actually <laughs> never seen either of these movies before. What? So it was a first watch for both, for both of these. Okay. The Day the Earth Stood Still, I think I have like memories of certain scenes and obviously the cultural sort of sure. um, touch points with the movie I, I sort of knew. Uh, but yeah, sitting down and watching it for the first time, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. Uh, and kind of, I was doing research as I was watching it. I like to do that, like really immerse myself in the experience. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> This movie has such a high stature. I mean, it really does. Uh, it's foundational to science fiction. Um, it has a lot of, you know, Cold War illusions going on, even though it's 1951, which is pretty early in the Cold War. Um, and so it like, and it has a really fascinating sort of, I would say, uh, a very common ideology that is represented in science fiction mm-hmm. that like, Oh, human beings, you are doing bad things. Stop doing them. Or, or we're all going to die. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah, like yeah. the message of a lot of science fiction, including uh, the other black and white film we covered on the previous episode, Dr. Strangelove. Yes. Which is some I, degree to some degree, which I, um, you know, so, Day the Earth Stood Still, it's based on a 1940s uh, short story called Farewell to the Master, uh, which is in like a a magazine called Astounding Science Fiction. Uh, Very kind of um, pulpy science fiction. Uh, It's been updated here to sort of uh, a few changes, but definitely trying to allude to the atomic age uh, and the um, competition between uh, the Soviet Union and the United States. Uh, There's a lot of that going on. Although I actually think that that's quite overstated, uh, especially in the sort of historical um, sort of write-ups of this movie. Clearly there's an intention here to to talk about world peace and atomic weapons and the nuclear age. Uh, It did not seem necessarily uh, rooted in a sort of ideological conflict between capitalism and communism. I didn't really see much of that going on here. More of a sort of, hey, if we don't think about, or if we we don't, or if we view people on the other side of the world as the other and an enemy, eventually what's going to happen is this awful sort of apocalypse of violence and war, which we've seen a thousand times over. Um, So I got, you know, as I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm getting why this is important. I'm getting those historical illusions and why it's sort of politically interesting. Um, And also the message of the alien is essentially, you know, stop killing each other, which is okay, cool. (laughs) But I have to say, um, I was not, I'm delving into opinion already, of course, as I always do, uh, which I don't want to do, but I have to do. It felt pretty boring to me (laughs) Uh, and not really all that layered. 
like emotionally layered. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Invasion of the Body Snatchers, wow. Wow. Really, really, really good. Um, I don't know. You got to come like you are, you know, have you taught this film? I, I've taught both of these movies. Yes. And what, you know, what's your feeling on Day of the Earth Stood Still? Because you obviously have a bigger history with it than I do. Sure. And but I, I will say, like, I do remember seeing it for the first time in my 20s at some point, uh, just diving into you know, film history. And there, I think it was, it was uh, uh, one of those movies that, you know, as I was, like, trying to really get into science fiction, and I talked about this a little bit in our 1970s episode with the Omega Man, where it's kind of like there's just, like, this, this uh, hard arrival of like science fiction as something more than just genre work, right? More than just yeah. B movies. Um, and that's essentially, you know, the end of the 1970s um, with Alien and what have you. Um, but with uh, Daily Earth Stood Still, the reason that it's always stood out to me um, uh, first and foremost is, you know, I totally found it kind of boring, almost like leave it to beaverish um, upon my first watch. Uh, I actually haven't visited in, in several years. I've um, shown the scene in class of, uh, you know, pretty pivotal one of Klaatu basically saying, as you said, like, either we're going to meet with you peacefully and everyone's arms are going to stand down or you're, you're, you're all going to get wiped out um, and use that as kind of a metaphor for where so much of uh, science fiction um, comes from this, this fear of the unknown. Right. And yeah. uh, I, I, what it, what stood out to me this time, um, which is still what I keep coming back to because I totally get that initial kind of just like bleh um, reading of the film. I think a lot of um, things start like that. Uh, Robert Wise, the director, is also responsible for like some of the most iconic films uh, of that era. The Sound of Music comes to mind where it's like it's just so indebted to like a cultural zeitgeist reputation that yeah. it, it's hard to really like uh dig past that and feel anything underneath it because it's just so like emboldened and it, it took me a long time to to really appreciate really the sound of music uh simply yeah. because it, it was it was always that old vhs that my mom watched over and over again um and uh, but like trying to like pull yourself away from all of that and that's what i really tried to do with this watch um, I did spring for the Blu-ray because I'm like, I feel like this is one I should have. Um, and I I don't know. Everything from like the title card, that font is, it, it, it feels like we finally hit this point with a movie like The Day the Earth Stood Still. And I would say Invasion of Body Snatchers too. And I'm curious why that one hit for you, but perhaps not this one, because I do love both of these movies. Yeah. Um, what What has happened now is we are in this kind of, and we spoke about this a little bit with Dr. Strangelove, we're in this cultural political moment now today um, and have been now for a few years where it does feel like we are on the precipice of something amazing and terrible at the same time. Right. This you, you met, I mean, you, 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 you kind of pointed out the elephant in the room at the top of the show, the singularity, right. Um, So I, I, especially like Michael Rennie's performance as Klaatu, I was just like really mesmerized by it this time where it just feels like, you know, I remember seeing it for the first time and like really having a hard time of getting past the fact that he's so humanoid, right? Which makes sense considering the era, but also is, is a little off-putting, especially when you grow up with so many like 
non-humanoid uh, depictions of alien life forms. Um, but I just found it really fascinating because I think he does a really good job of uh, of trying to be in this human flesh and still like look at humans as others, but like also trying to like live amongst them and not judge them, but then just like kind of coming to the conclusion is like, you guys are fucked. I'm out of here. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. But <laughs> um, that's, that's what sticks with me. So I'm curious for you other than just like the overarching, like it is a very talky uh, science fiction movie. There's very, there's, yeah. there are no set pieces to speak of other than the no, yeah. landing right yeah. and there's um, like a couple of action moments when like he well they first like gets off the ship he gets shot and then he gets shot again at the end sure yeah a little bit of a chase scene um yeah i think it's like i guess stepping into this movie expecting i guess i didn't expect anything i've heard of it uh i know the sort of general plot around it when i'm comparing it to if i'm looking back over our other movies uh like especially the 70s and like 60s um what blows my mind about this one is that like comparing the day the earth stood still to dr strange love which came out 13 years later how incredibly different the filmmaking style is like it's on a, it's almost a different medium at that point like it's it's changed so much oh, yeah, in totally. those 13 years and i'm looking back at this movie from 1951 and it just feels very now at the time of course like the messaging was pretty interesting an alien coming down and talking about peace like that's actually pretty out there yeah, it's pretty uh, because, progressive. And yeah, because aliens yeah. before that were always like evil and they're going to destroy the world. Well, the world's, of course. Right. Martians, um, yeah. So ultimately a pretty progressive situation going on here. But it still feels like to me, um, like the film is boxed into a certain studio style sure. uh, of the time that just... Like you said, it is kind of leave it to Beaver. And a lot of the scenes are like shot in that house with the kid and the female. I don't even know the female character's name. And it's like there's no I think to me, because one of the main characters here is an alien without any emotion. Mm -hmm. There's just no emotional weight happening. Yeah, And it's like that's for me, it just doesn't it's never going to work. <laughs> right. Unless there's an emotional arc and people are changing and acting. Uh, this would be like, it would be funny if you like put this through one of those script writer doctor things. Sure. Like this script would be like, well, what is this? Nothing's happening. Right. I mean, <laughs> not that those guys are right or whatever, but uh, it's, I don't know. There's something about it that feels really inert. It just doesn't move at all. And it's like the messaging, I think, while it was progressive back then, to me, when I look at it, it reminds me of like stuff you would see on like Star Trek, not to speak against it or anything like that. Yeah, like the original like a, Star Trek. Yeah, like a very specific sort of, and it, uh, someone brought this up on a letterbox review, and it's the first thing that popped into my head as well while watching it is that it feels like a Twilight Zone episode just extended to a feature length film. None mm -hmm. of these are like inherently bad things, but I think for me, you know, looking back at it, you know, what are we, 70 years later, 70 plus years later? Um, 
the stature that it has within sci-fi and the film community, I'm just not seeing it. Really? I'm not okay. seeing it at all. Like, and it's just like, it, and it'd be one thing if I had like, didn't see a lot of films from the forties or fifties, but I've like gone back and watched quite a few of them. And, and I've realized that even if something is in the studio system or maybe in kind of the B movie system, there was a, still enough freedom back then to do something very interesting and, and artistic within those confines. And for me, this one, it just doesn't break out of the the mold that was around. It just seems, it seems like a manufactured studio film that has flourishes of interesting things going on, but ultimately still is in that cookie cutter packaging. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I don't think that's unfair. And I, I, I think especially with that first watch, uh, if I if I had my druthers, I would I would have you revisit the movie in a few years and um, see if uh, you're able to kind of see past that um, yeah. that sheen. Um, the other thing that uh, it's very much kind of connected with at, during this time period, uh, for better or worse, is the TV show Lost in Space. Um, mm-hmm. It shares um, a title theme, uh, which is by Bernard Herrmann, and I think that. One thing that kind of does for me anyways, level this movie above that kind of like stock studio system, Hollywood output um, is the, is it's simple. It's the music. This is one of Mm -hmm. the first movies to include that kind of one of the first wide release movies, non like, uh, uh, you know, shoddy independent movies, but the, the, the the use of the theremin and the Hammond organ, um, there's like, I think there's like vibraphones or some other shit going on there. That's always fun for me. And that was part of like maybe the reason I, I, I indulged in the Blu-ray because that, that uh, audio comes through really beautifully. Um, he, and then Bernard Herrmann reused that score for the sixties the, the TV series lost in space. Um, it also is known as kind of one of the foundational film scores, you know, uh, Danny Elfman citing influence for it. And, uh, I'm sh- I'm sure plenty of others, um, but it's one of those things that, like so many kind of iconic old film scores, like even the m- songs from Sound of Music, I think mm-hmm. kind of get taken for granted because they've kind of uh, the reputation precedes them, right? Yeah, of um, course. So I'm curious. You now we're going to break it down because I need to like really hone in on uh, what is there, which. It seems like at least you agree there is that kind of central metaphor that's really important yeah. for this movie, mm-hmm. right? And I totally agree with you, too, about how, you know, uh, upon its release, and even, I think, probably for several years, because the Cold War, you know, was kind of indefinite for decades here in America, yeah. um, it, it didn't feel very kind of Soviet-driven. I feel like Invasion of the Body Snatchers still feels very soviet right there's there's a lot going on there that seems really pointedly political of that yeah but so what's going on here why is it that that kind of if that aspect didn't fade for snatchers but it did fade here what's the what's the distinction in your mind well i think it's like ultimately like the source material right the source material is in 1940 and it like before world war ii essentially at least when we entered it Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially the same, it's the same plot for the most part. There's a massive change though, which I think is really fascinating. One of the changes is that in the short story, um, 
the robot is actually the master, mm. right? Uh, as opposed to like the alien being the master and the robot is the servant. Sure. Which yeah. is kind of cool, like really cool. Like that's yeah. fun. Like that's an interesting sort of like matrix kind of AIs ruling everything take. But I, I, that's the thing that like I. I really dove into political stuff because I was really fascinated by like, oh, like I've always heard that the day stood still is like this political thing and invasion of the body snatchers is like this Cold War thing. But as I was watching, I was realizing that like, yes, there's allusions to in day the earth stood still. There are these allusions to um, the nuclear age and war and conflict, but it's very, very surface level. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of the scene where he takes the young boy to the, to see his father's grave and they have that interaction. And he's like, all, all, you know, all these men have died in wars, blah, blah, blah. I was like, he, I, 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 maybe this is me being very cynical. Uh, but like saying that wars are bad and that like, <laughs> like I, that's just not enough of a message for me that like violence is bad. And I also think that that, sort of messaging in general plays well with the sci-fi sort of audience for some reason, uh, which is why one of the reasons why this movie is, I think so beloved or beloved, whatever I can't say words. Um, uh, but like, that's not insightful. It's not intriguing. Uh, and like, is there, am I missing another message here? That's more than just you guys probably shouldn't kill each other. You know, what I found fascinating, and I think that, once again, pretty valid. Uh, I I even, like, remember in this rewatch kind of get, chuckling a little bit when it gets to this kind of... Uh, anytime Klaatu is, like, just dumbfounded by um, humans' inability to drop a weapon or uh, not, like, immediately assume that the aliens are uh, hostile um that it, it is it's 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 over the top it's a, maybe even a little camp i don't know it, it feels the abraham lincoln scene? yes oh my god <laughs> i'm like come on yeah but that's kind of, i mean that's kind of you do have to kind of give yourself over to that 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 uh what is it it's because maybe it's not it's like more naive camp obviously than deliberate but um there's this I don't know that what I'm my actual response uh, is you've got kind of um, two, two or three things at play, which is you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the female girl character earlier, Helen. Um, I think it it's a fascinating kind of interplay between um, this kind of uh, almost um, genderless alien being, right? Mm-hmm. At the, and his befriending of this human woman who is very much more nurturing and uh, uh, not suspicious, like her uh, kind of semi-creepy boyfriend, right? Yeah, true. Uh, and like that whole thing, especially in the context of like 1950s uh, picket fence, American dream um, style depiction, uh, I thought I found that fascinating. And so I think that there's like other things going on about Americanism or Americana that uh, seem to be more interesting, especially upon multiple watches, because 
perhaps that overarching theme of war, uh, you know, like Gork literally like uh, um, lasers the the army's weapons upon their yeah. arrivals so that they disappear. Right? Like it's it's on it's it's more than on the nose. It's like a, a hammer to the face. Right? Um, what the other thing that uh, stands out to me, um, and once again, maybe your mileage may vary, but like. Klaatu as this kind of Christ-like figure where it's it it, it maybe that that kind of pegs the humor for me too because it's like if Jesus were to come back right <laughs> like yeah. even these, these like white picket fence like uh you know Lutherans would be would be like oh no thank you we're good having wars with each other <laughs> like that kind yeah. of aspect is is both funny and thought-provoking to me because I think it's uh, once again, maybe on the nose, but definitely like not, I mean, and that's the thing I was going to say this earlier where it's like, as a historical artifact, I'm able to like watch and appreciate it and be fascinated by it perhaps more so than, and I think that's one of the reasons why I was so incensed when they <laughs> tried to remake it. Cause it like, doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense in 2008. Like this is very much a story for the 1950s. Um, and yes, they're referring. <laughs> that's the other thing that stood out to me on this rewatch is like uh, um, uh, the 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 line about the new United Nations. And Klaatu's like, but you yeah. have this thing called the United Nations, and then the characters are like, yeah, but that's not really a thing. It's kind of fake. <laughs> like, yeah, which excuse someone could say that now, right? right? Exactly. So, and that's why I think it resonated maybe with me more this time uh, because it does feel like it's finally come full circle. I don't think we were there in two thousand eight. I think maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying Hollywood. You should, you should try to redo this one again by any means. But I think rewatching this um, was a lot was was fascinating um, in that in that sense. I don't know. Did you see parallels? It seemed like you're. It seems like you're pretty stuck on this idea that like it's it's got this one message. And well, it does have one message. That, that message is not necessarily like a bad one or like undercooked necessarily. Um, and like, you have to think, think about it too in the context of when it came out, that's not a popular message at all. No, no. The message back then was, yeah, we won world war two and let's get the reds next. Right. Like that's (laughs) what everybody felt. Uh, Not everybody, but I think a lot of people felt that way. And it was just like a group think scenario you know, this is probably what three years, two, three years after the Berlin blo- blockade. So, like, the Cold War was definitely starting to ramp up. Um, but I think that, like, uh, I think what I struggle with in this movie is that while it's certainly there's so many innovative things about this, from the music to like the concept of the aliens to the message of the aliens and how we move forward as like a human race or human species whatever um i think there's just not uh, here's here's what it really comes down to it's like it's offering a clear answer when there really isn't one and i think that's the thing that like i keep it keeps coming up in my head is like oh it's simple we just got to stop killing each other yeah that's great Right, like, see that, what what I think that's is awesome, but like, that's not really. It, it'd be like uh, if someone was writing an essay on like war and violence, 
And like they came to the conclusion that essentially, hey, um, this is a really bad thing that needs to stop. <laughs> and like that would be their thesis statement. What grade yeah. would you give them? A pretty low grade. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not really engaging in the discourse of violence and why people kill each other. And they've been killing each other since the beginning of humankind and probably will continue to kill each other until the end of humankind. It might be the last <laughs> thing we do is kill each other. Um, it's just like, if I'm looking at these, I'm like Dr. Strangelove, insanely cynical movie, but really kind of honest. Uh, Alphaville, also insanely cynical. Invasion of the Body, super cynical. I can't think of another movie on this list that we've watched besides The Creator, probably, <laughs> that has like this much of a simplistic sort of, oh, hey, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that that that's where I've got to I've got to push back because I think mm-hmm. that the thesis is there, but I think yeah. the kind of revisitation of that thesis in the film's final act is what makes it subversive, especially for a, a studio picture from the fifties, sure. which is that you know Klaatu and Gort, <laughs> you know Klaatu is resur- is resurrected, and he, like Jesus, huh? Right, exactly. Um, and and, and you know he could have. It very easily could have ended like, you know, oh, I guess I guess they are as powerful as they say they are. Um, and then there's like, I don't know, he shakes hands with the president or some bullshit. Or uh, it could have ended with them annihilating Earth. But which instead, would have been great, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, or actually, before I uh, state my claim officially, uh, you, you're talking about cynical versus uh, simplistic. I mean, Spielberg's War of the Worlds, right? So, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's on the table too. Anyways, um, but no, they leave. They. It's yeah. just like it's it. I think that even though it is simplistic on the surface, and it's kind of like the logical end point. I think that's what makes some of those old Hollywood movies like this one work is because there there is unfortunately no answer like it's just like you're left hanging because like you had this grand opportunity to finally have like interstellar connection between two uh species from different planets and it's squandered because no one like no one can agree to put down their weapons for a while they can't even agree to like put down their weapons for a freaking meeting uh with klaatu and he's left and the irony right is that they are so caught up in their own discourse about whether he's a threat or not he's able to just like walk out and explore the neighborhood right and (laughs) infiltrate this this uh this family's house with an extra room and that in and of itself is it's one of those things that doesn't really un unveil itself uh with a single viewing i think and i also think that what's interesting going back to that resurrection moment is that you know in the original script um because this is very much a censored time for hollywood movies right yeah um he uh was not to be like killed and then resurrected and then he has that line about how like it's a temporary resurrection it's just the mm-hmm. straight up like yeah, I'm back, and you can't kill me. Gort's always going to bring me back to life, um, kind of thing. And the the the, the MPAA were like balked at that, and they were <laughs> and they were like, "No, you've got you've got to add a line in there about how this is a temporary 
resurrection. And I think that in and of itself, you know, and that's maybe my own weakness as a movie nerd. When anytime when you can you see like the subtext become the text in a movie that is actually about move like we're we're all about control, right? That's part of the disagreement between uh Klaatu and the various um officials that he's attempting to to communicate with. And uh is there is that there there is there is no way that people in power are going to give up their control or their power, even temporarily, because of the fear of the unknown. Because there's no way that they think that that there's any good way to do that. I, I don't know. Now that I'm kind of talking this out, I feel like this is way, this is just as cynical, but with this sheen over it, this leave it to the yeah. beaverness that uh, is maybe obfuscating that cynicism, which makes it even more effective, I think, as a, especially as a historic artifact, but as a film itself. But yeah, I think it too, also- it's like the ending, the specifically the ending to where he's basically like, Hey, you guys can do whatever you want on earth, <laughs> yeah. which is like a libertarian message. Oh. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is, it literally is libertarianism. It's like, do whatever you want on your planet, but if it gets off the planet, we're going to destroy you. I'm like, okay. It's interesting sort of like it would have been I don't know I thought it would be like more effective to show like the folly of humanity mm-hmm. if he just is like you guys can't figure it out so we're just going to like blow your planet up and say peace because you guys you're animals or whatever uh, you're not capable of self governance and stuff like that that would be fun um, and I think that like I don't know could you do that back in the 51 probably not <laughs> probably not <laughs> I feel like the dude like nah you can't destroy earth mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, yeah, it's maybe something where I need to at least go back to it and revisit it a little bit more. Because a lot of the context of your time, I was just sort of like, I was like lulled by the um, the pace and kind of flaccid energy of the movie, you know? It yeah. just, it doesn't, there's not a lot of like... I don't know. There's it's not very, a lot of it's very relaxed, kind of borders on wooden. I think. Yeah, but, yeah, wooden is a good term. It, right. it just felt like one of those. Oh yeah, this is a, it, when you watch this, you're like, oh yeah, this is a '50s movie. Yeah. Because it just yeah. feels like a '50s movie. Um, whereas like Strange Love or Alphaville or Invasion of the Body Snatcher, they feel something beyond the time that they were made. Right. Science fiction movies in general, especially the ones that have stood the test of time, generally feel like they're ahead of their time like they were yeah. they were made ahead of their time um, exactly no i think like, this one I, the, the thing that like uh the only reason i'm sticking it to this movie as much as i am because it's so highly regarded sure right yeah. it is considered a classic it is uh preserved by the national film registry as like one of the greatest sci-fi fiction films ever made science fiction films ever made um yeah it's just one of those things where it's like ah like I want it to be a five star film on Letterboxd, and I'm like, eh, it's probably like a four. Oh yeah, no, I think I logged it as a four this time around. Yeah, maybe three and a half, four. <laughs> it just doesn't have like the. <laughs> and I, I think that that's always my issue is that when I go into a film where it's so highly lauded and regarded or whatever, and I just don't, I don't feel that thing I feel when I see a great movie. I just don't like when I see like Terminator or the matrix or Mad Max Fury road. The last time I was like, you feel this greatness when you watch it. A Dr. Strange love is the same thing. 
But with this one, it's just like, okay, cool. Like this yeah. is it's it's a fascinating movie, that interesting uh time capsule, but it doesn't it's not what Scorsese would say is pure cinema, although he would say this is pure cinema. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's in, it, it I think maybe that's one of the reasons I I am drawn to it because it it does feel like it straddles this line. Yeah. Um, between um a, a a couple other kind of fun facts before we transition into focusing on invasion of the body snatchers um to to bring this back to robert wise as a director um there's a interesting essay with him later in life after he had retired and uh um there's a particular essay um by uh james shaw uh that said the when the movie was released it uh it, it he thought that it kind of showed this purview of what were at the time were referred to as quote new deal democrats and he said it was to quote uh seek and impart a rational response to the mccarthy era following world war ii and uh the interviewer asks asks him do you think this is accurate or is it a case a classic case of film critics overanalyzing and (laughs) without a beat robert wise says overanalysis (laughs) and he said that it was just as in like the mill that was the studio system just came across his desk and like it, it even, it's even the deckhead in this uh um uh transcription of the interview it literally just said yeah sure i'll do it because he hadn't done sci-fi yet and it was kind yeah. of starting to become the rage right at that time so it was yeah. kind of like this incidental iconic film which you as you know we've mentioned several times you can kind of see in the way that it's filmed to the very like down to the very notion of like they're not trying to make gort really look anything different than what you might see on like a a flash gordon serial or something during this time period um and then the last uh fun fact i'll end on uh <laughs> which is a doozy um do you know this the connection between ronald reagan and this film uh, didn't it make him want to like, talk to the Russians about aliens? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, obviously we know Reagan was insane and evil, but he uh, had <laughs> um, an anecdote uh, where, um, you know, he was his curiosity was peaked, and I don't think it was unlike a lot of uh, presidents. And like he's he's acting in these kinds of movies, right? Uh, early in his career before he transitions to politics. Um, but uh, Colin Powell, who worked for him at the time, um, said that he would consistently ask the military about um, any any encounters with, quote, little green men. And then he even brought it up to Gorbachev in 85 at the Geneva Convention and said to him, uh, um, I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world, um, making a direct reference to the day the Earth stood still. So I don't, I, I mean, tear down also, this wall. I is that really what's? Wh- wh- I don't know. I th- I, I feel like Reagan's overanalyzing even more so than that film critic. <laughs> also, the ending of uh, spoiler alert: Watchmen. Oh right? yeah, exactly. Right? right, which I'm going back. Like, is that really as good as I thought that it was? Mm, this, like, <laughs> right. I think Alan, Alan Moore, Moore maybe might have been a fan of this movie. Yeah, crib this whole plot now. Uh, Imagine <laughs> the Body Snatchers. What's your history? Never, I've never seen it before. Yeah, so I've I've, I've seen I've, the I've, faculty many times. 
right. Which uh, uh, definitely owes a debt to the oh, to course, this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen this movie more than I had seen Day of the Earth Stood Still, um, especially because it was um, uh, it was like one of the first movies free on YouTube back in the late two thousands, and uh, it's so. So I saw it kind of probably around the same time originally, and then I've rewatched it, um, especially every time I rewatched the Sutherland 1978 one. Um, I was excited uh, beyond my best um, kind of probably expectations or reasonable uh, expectations for the Nicole Kidman adaptation. There's something that's always, and then maybe this goes back to actually I'm realizing, I think I saw the 78 one um, probably well before I saw the original 56 one. Um, because I had seen it growing up on the Sci-Fi Channel, and the image that had always kind of stuck with me, which is not too far removed from the '56 version, is that idea of the pod, right—the uh, uh, alien life form um, regrowing or regenerating itself in the likeness of uh, its human counterpart. Um, there was something about that concept that always just like felt so much scarier. To me than any other um you know generic monster movie ghost movie whatever and i think it comes down to what what makes this movie um stand the test of time for me and just the the, the premise in general is that i think um it, it almost feels like it has this truman show effect style or like yeah avatar totally. Like, um, I never understood the Avatar thing, but I totally understood the Truman Show thing, right? Where it's like, um, you start, like, second-guessing everything. Uh, you and I are both watching um, The Curse on Showtime right now, right? Yes. There's yeah. this excellent scene um, where Emma Stone's character is getting interviewed, uh, and she had just found out that her husband, played by Nathan Fielder, um, like was caught on a surveillance camera doing something that she like never thought that her husband would do. Yeah. And, and she says something to the effect of like, there's those moments where it's like, you thought you knew somebody and then you get some piece of evidence or they show them their true selves. And it's like, how is this the same person? And so that's always kind of constantly going through my mind. Um, maybe to a, a disturbing degree, maybe I need to talk to a therapist about it, but it's, <laughs> It is this this uh, this notion of like what's real, who's real. One of my favorite modern TV shows of uh, the past few years is The Americans, and yeah, how much that feels also kind of indebted to this um, this movie's premise. Um, yeah, so it's 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 an all timer for me. Um, I almost wanted to fight you about it being the chaser rather than the. The yeah entree so to speak That's, it's it's, <laughs> a, it's a hefty a hefty chaser it's a big dessert yeah so so the also first time for you huh yeah first time ever seen it um i don't know that i've seen yeah i guess the faculty would be the only one kind of version of this that i've seen uh yeah it, this movie's fantastic i like watching it it's one of those movies that like like 10 minutes you're like okay this is it's it's holding my attention it's engaging it's interesting and then it just keeps going and i think like the this they're perfect chasers to me or perfect juxtapositions in terms of films because where 
Invasion of the Body Snatchers takes this idea, which is a total B-movie idea, obviously. Yeah. Aliens have invaded and they're recreating us, whatever. So it's like something that could be in a pulpy sci-fi fiction magazine from the 40s or 50s. But then it uses that as a, as a sort of a, um, a sort of canvas to like delve into all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking suburbia, McCarthyism, um, the encroaching postmodernism. Like it just really uses this sort of um, pulpy idea to get out all of these interesting thoughts and ideas. And like this to me is a, a film that dives into the discourse of politics, uh, cultural mm-hmm. studies, uh, all of these interesting things that were going on in the 1950s. And when, when we watch it now, it feels like to me, like I, it's a little bit of a time machine. Whereas the, there are still a time machine is like, oh man, this is kind of like silly and kind of fun. And there's a theremin. It's very, this feels not really 1950s sci fi. <laughs> yeah. Vision of the Body Snatchers feels like, oh man, we're still dealing with all of these problems. And like, um, like there's even like allusions to a, a mass mental health crisis that was not even acknowledged in the fifties that was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just, it's the classic tale of a B movie with a low budget where people felt like there were low stakes and those low stakes gave them the freedom to do interesting things, um, from the cinematography to the writing. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's something really special about a movie like this. And um, it's interesting, too, like, I, I think also reading into the uh, scholarly writing around this film, like Cold War, Cold War, all this sort of stuff. Cool. Great. That's definitely there. But there's way more than that going on here to mm-hmm. all like you're talking about, like, um that's you know people thinking that other people are um duplicates or not real like that's a really interesting well number one that actually happens with people all the time it's a mental illness it's a, yeah. a an actual symptom of mental illness um so it's something that people actually feel and it's like a real thing and you know it's like it, it's interesting in that again ridiculous concept treated in a realistic way and the realism of their responses to this ridiculousness is really where the meat of the film is and where it's so fascinating to me. Um, I don't know. It just, it felt totally different than the other stood still. Whereas that felt like to me, um, 1950s sci-fi, this feels like to me like, oh, this is like a really good horror film mm, uh, and kind yeah. of noir too at the same time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what did you, uh, do you see, I mean, first of all, the question I've asked, do you like, do you feel that big of a distinction between the two as, as much as I do? Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting that they're from the same era and essentially uh, reactions to the same thing, but one very much feels, and it's only five years difference. Yeah. This is like one of the major stepping stones into really like sophisticating um, science fiction and also, while still retaining very much so much of its genre-ness, yes. which is yeah. interesting um, because I don't think you really see that in, you know, we mentioned this briefly on the Dr. Strangelove episode where it's like, this is so obviously a comedy, 
and yet it feels like kind of underplayed like it's its own genre almost it doesn't really fit in um this movie very much fits in to that whole kind of paranoia and uh metaphorical um unease of you know america during that time period um and yet it's also like very it could be easily misconstrued and thrown away um as as a B movie because there's um, such entertainment value in it. Like you mentioned, the noir aspect, like it starts off with a bang. It does like the rewind. Let me tell you like how how I got this way. Kind of um, uh, storytelling structure that's playful and engineered specifically for like a mass audience. And yet uh, these themes are so prevalent of uh, I think the your mention of postmodernism is fascinating because um, while it's so obvious, it, 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 I don't know if it really hit me until you said that. Where it's like, yeah, this is this is like Baudrillard, like simulacrum to a T, right? Yeah. Well, there's that. There's there's not only that aspect of it, so the, the duplication and sort of the the shallowness of image and all that kind of stuff, right? But they mm. also explicitly state it that like. Um, essentially people are disengaging from the world mm-hmm. because it's too complex and it's too confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Once and like, again. that's a huge aspect of at least a symptom of the postmodern sort of age and uh, as people see it. Yeah. Right. Fear of the no- unknown familiarity with disconnection and yeah. um, the comfort in that uh, going back to our cold open. I think that the film probably resonated um, with people, you know, all sides of the political um, aisle because it it was easy to see yourself, whether you were left, right, liberal, conservative, as, you know, both tempted by this notion of disengagement, um, of finding, like, sameness and true equality, blah, 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 and yet also very much, like, Oh my gosh! Yeah, this this could be very dangerous, which makes the the film thorny, and that's kind of part of the fun of it. Is like, um, I think unlike Day the Earth Stood Still, which is very forthright in its like you said message of anti violence, um, this movie is a little more like, yeah, we probably should all be suspicious of each other. <laughs> Where and that that's that's kind of fucked up. Like how how do we reconcile our own? political views and um new understandings looking back right like i'm cur- like what did arthur miller must have seen this movie before he wrote the crucible <laughs> um what was like is because this could easily be seen as like a borderline offensive uh you know um um what do you call it like portrayal of uh supporting this notion that anybody could be a russian spy uh, your bit next door neighbor could be like the Americans. Yeah. Well, it, cause it plays it. It's, it's great because it plays it both ways. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it kind of seems like an argument for McCarthyism and then against it in the same moment, mm-hmm. because it's ultimately, I, I feel like the, the film and uh, the writer who was Daniel Mainwaring. I don't know him. He wrote um, out of the past, I think. Oh, okay. Um, 
but he went by a different name. So I don't know his history. He also wrote like a, a left-wing novel early on. So maybe he was part of the blacklist situation. Uh, need to know more about him. But clearly what he was writing here is like, it's a screenplay that has not a lot of answers. And it's a lot of gray area. And for whatever reason, that to me feels like a deeper um, emotional experience while watching it. Because ultimately, like we get out of these movies and stuff, it's just like it's it's escapism for us. It's uh, a chance to go to a different time, different place and hear different voices. And like when I watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's like, oh, this feels connected to my actual life. Right. On some level, because it is that gray and you don't know who to trust and not to trust. And there isn't never a clear answer as to what the next step forward is. Whereas, you know, like day there stood still, it's kind of wrapped in plastic and it's got like an answer for you. Um, And like, that's not to say that those films are lesser, or not as good. But for me personally, uh, when watching a film like this, uh, when it has a more complex and uncertain uh, expression and it engages in a discourse. I think that's the, the, that's the key for me here is that this screenplay and this movie dives into these ideas and engages with them, but like basically is an ellipses at the end. It's open-ended in the sense that like it right. doesn't provide a path or clear ideology to it. That for some reason is more enjoyable to me than, you know, maybe something that has a clear cut ending that, you know, there are no clear cut endings as we know, but pretends that it does. And in this one, it's just sort of, it always, it still feels alive to me. That's why it still feels alive. Whereas the day that I stood still again, wrapped in plastic, wooden. Yeah. It's a nice thing up on the shelf in the museum, but it's not about actual life. Right. And, but this Mm. one feels still like it has its, its tentacles in everyday existence, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that's probably one of the reasons why it was so tempting for studios to try to remake it. Um, yeah. And even, yeah, I think the faculty could be part of that. And But it's not it- near, like the faculty is a great movie and all. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a tight night. This is a tight 80, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> eighty minute, which is just come on, let's yeah. go. It's like yeah. detour. Yeah. It's just like I don't know, seventy minutes. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's I don't know. Um, like let's talk about the faculty really quickly. Really fun movie, interesting movie. Has the same concept, but does none of what this movie does. Right? No, no. But I think the kernel of what's there that um, I think makes, and I feel like a, the, the faculty is getting kind of revisited and re. It is, yeah. uh, in in recent years. Yeah. Um, is that you're basically taking that central metaphor of uh suburbia and then placing it into the high school and this idea of uh you know teen unease around authority figures and the the discord between the two and how difficult it sometimes can be to see the difference between a monster in front of you and just like somebody who's older than you and has power over you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a fascinating just retelling of that from this 90s perspective. Um, and I think that uh, another thing that that is to note, um, just to, to circle back to uh, 
the asking questions more than offering answers is that while uh, studio involvement, or I should say that, that was the MPAA involvement in changing um, the detail at the end of Day the Earth Stood Still, the studio allied artists uh, came in to um, basically insist on a more ambiguous ending because in this one, um, Siegel had envisioned uh, a pessimistic conclusion, yes. right? Where they would be left, um, the couple uh, standing in the midst of the busy highway, uh, screaming out warnings and nobody would listen to them, right? Yeah. So this one is a, a little more kind of wrapped up, but still open-ended enough to kind of suggest that possibility whilst while also like making it a little more palatable for wide audiences. Um, yeah. And I do think that like uh, one of the, the things that um, also helps it stand the test of time, not just as a premise, but as a text itself is the fact that uh, I don't know, like when I watch this movie, no matter if it's um, put on in the background or I'm like giving it my full attention and I've done both and I'm not really like a background watcher kind of person mm -hmm. uh, like you, like I know you are. And, yeah. and yet it's still one of those films that like, even if I can throw it on the background um, there, there are moments where it's like, you can't, you can't not watch it. And one of the things that I guess the, the scene to be a, uh, a microcosm example of what I'm trying to say is uh, for instance, when um, they're all gathering around the maybe corpse uh, in the living room, it's on, you know set out on the table. Yeah, eventually becomes the the husband of that household, um, and I don't know. There's something so kind of disquieting, not just about the premise and this idea of where did this body come from and why is it starting to look more and more like somebody I know or like me and the way that that whole scene is framed uh, and this kind of circles back to your comment about it uh, having one foot in sci-fi and one foot in horror where it you can't deny like being caught up in that hysteria I think that's one of the things that um, makes it not fully a B movie is like when a character is hysterical here or when a character is just like even, you know, curious, bordering on hysterical, you empathize with that. And it feels like something that could easily, you know, uh, happen to you. And um, it's such a ludicrous idea, such a completely unrealistic phenomenon that's happening in the town that you you feel yourself kind of going crazy with the characters. Yeah. Um, and there's very few movies that I think do that effectively. Uh, and I think that, I don't know, is, can I, I don't I'm trying to think of like a, uh, equally as good. The only thing that comes to mind is like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas, but that's, it involves a lot of cocaine. So like <laughs> without substance abuse, I don't know if there's a better movie that, that does that of like makes you feel like you're losing your minds along with the characters. I would say the opening of the matrix, like the first. Oh yeah. That's good. That's good. That yeah. was like my favorite part of the opening of that movie. Cause I feel like you feel like you're with him and you're like, sure, what sure. is happening? Like yeah. what is white rabbit? All this crazy yeah. stuff. It, yeah. You really step into it. Um, that's another simulacra movie, right? So. Yes. Another one. Um, what do you want to say about, you know, it's the end of the <sighs> cycle. 
Future Wars, Lada, The Crater, Dune, Mad Max Fury Road, The Purge, War of the Worlds, The Road, The Matrix, Starship Troopers, The Terminator, Aliens, The Omega Man, Zardoz, Dr. Strangelove, Alphaville, and now The Day the Earth Stood Still, and Invasions of the Body Snatchers. Have we learned anything on this journey? Besides that, sci-fi is really <laughs> sad and depressing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I think the going. I, I have to speak to it a little more because I kind of opened the show with it. The thing about the like depressing nature of like seeing all these connections between the genre, and I think one key aspect of it, which has gotten kind of hazy, but was part of the deal is like this isn't just science fiction this isn't just you know a conflict that involves robots aliens or somewhere in between this is war right like the actual nature of uh you know a, a man versus man conflict becoming like a people versus people conflict and the things that stand out to me is i mean you can basically draw a straight line from the monster movie concept to the war movie concept. And I've always like kind of liked doing that in film studies. I always teach war and horror next to each other. But I guess I didn't really see until especially talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers here, how closely intertwined sci-fi and horror are too. And it's like this trifecta almost of like, War is the horror of mankind. Science fiction is the horror of the future, and horror is the 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 horror of you know the unknowable of the uh, of the extra dimensional, perhaps. But I don't really see that as maybe now that I'm thinking through it and we're talking through it as depressing as it initially comes across as because it's you know if anything. Uh, a warning for what comes next, right? And even if it's wrapped up in this kind of depressing, cynical point of view, that still is ultimately an important task for an artist and for a work of art. Because, I don't know, uh, maybe maybe uh, Mr. Gorbachev did tear down that wall because Reagan <laughs> saw the Earth's test. <laughs> well, I think it was like, yeah... To kind of build on that, the sci-fi genre that we sort of covered here, and always, you know, relating to war of these movies, um, it's just a different um, kind of palette to sort of discuss important issues, and it lends itself better to political discourse and um, sort of social or cultural criticism. Uh, it does parallel horror a lot. And I think what with some of these movies, especially the earlier ones um, th- where sci-fi was not, eh, maybe even through the eighties uh, was not super well respected as like a, you know, an Oscar caliber film or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It offered the freedom to discuss those things like nuclear war and um, whether you can trust other people in your life or not, like political discourse on some level, um, it offered a platform to do that. And yeah. all the scary big stuff that's involved, they're like, yeah, that's all part of it, but it's 
it's another kind of form of fantasy uh, where it's like you're just taking fantasy and you're overlaying it. It's basically the uh, the concept of fantasy of creating wherever you want, but the clay of what you're creating with is like your actual life and reality. Right. And so like it, it it's a really fascinating genre that allows a, a ton of freedom, but doesn't feel so disconnected as like maybe Lord of the Rings would feel. Where it's like, oh, this is a different world with different characters and magic involved. Uh, it's kind of like maybe like a magical realism type thing where it's like, we're here. This is our life. Um, but here's how it could play out. Here's right. how the direction it could go in. And therefore, it just it, it gives these films a little bit more. It gives them more grounding and it gives them a little bit more weight in what they're discussing. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's fascinating. It's like I've always loved sci-fi films ever since I was a little kid. Um, but like looking at them now and going through this series, it's like, oh, I kind of get it. Essentially, it's a way for like nerdy people to just think about how things are going to play out and, and kind of tell a good story while doing it at the same time. Uh, and if, you know, the type of person where you've, you know, you're not disconnected from the news or politics and you're worried about, you know, what's going to happen when your kids are your age, all that kind of stuff. It, it does sort of lend itself to those that sort of imagination of the future and sort of worry of the future. And it's just an expression of that at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a wonder, it's a really fun genre. Uh, and I'm really glad that we did this cycle because I had a lot of fun doing it and visiting these films again. Yeah. Except um, for the creator. So no thanks for that one. Crazy. You're going to look back on the, you're going to look back on the creator in 20 years and be like, yeah, AI was right. Everybody should get their vision, Apple vision pro, whatever it's called. Oh no. Just pop it on and just let's call it a day. It's Whoa. over. We lost AI and computers won. Disengage. Upload me into the cloud right now. Yeah. Corporeal forms overrated. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Um, are you ready for the final round of trivia? Speaking of uh, Let's um, do it. ending your life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I feel like I've gotten slightly better. You have. You have, Dan. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. Thank um, you. Uh, the 50s is rough, though, dude. I, this is, I'll, do you want yeah. the easy ones or the hard ones first? Uh, start with the easy. I need to okay. build my confidence. Good. Yeah. Good idea. All right. So, uh, yeah, this one, uh, remember the idea here is keywords, um, 1950s films, other than the two we discussed on this episode. Uh, can you guess it before I run out of keywords? <laughs> the bingo Maru disaster relief, oxygen destroyer, oxygen destroyer, radiation oh. sickness, the thing from another world. Oh, <laughs> that might be coming up later in the round, uh, but okay, okay. not this one. The blob. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, nuclear weapons testing. Nuclear weapons testing. Them? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I guess I got to pull out the big guns. Uh, a movie featuring this title character is currently in theaters worldwide. Uh, I don't know. What is it? It's a movie from Japan, Daniel. Oh, God Godzilla. There you go. Uh, okay. <laughs> Technically Gojira, but I'll accept Godzilla. 
Um, you should have said there's a, a phenomenally mid-tier TV series on Apple TV. <laughs> I, mean, I keep forgetting Unbelievably mid. It defines uh, the term mid. How can you have a mid show with Kurt Russell? I don't know. They figured it out, though. Well, it's got Wyatt Russell. That's why it's mid. Not good. He's great. <laughs> okay. So, uh, all right. Speaking of Kurt Russell, this will build your confidence. Alaskan Air Command. Geiger Counter. Covered in thermite. Carnivorous. The thing? It, the thing Full title of the 1950s version. The thing from another world. There you go. Okay, good. Okay. Good job. All right. Um, I've never seen it, by the way. Never seen the original. Have you? I think back in the day, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, next, New Mexico State Police. Atomic radiation again. Flamethrowers. Them. Yeah, that one's them. Which, uh, which is one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. Oh my gosh. I've never, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen the full thing. Oh, it's fun. It's, it's just it's like, great. The, it's the, really good. The big set pieces with the ants. Oh, it's so um, much fun. Cool, cool. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to say you're, yeah, you're two for five so far, and there's two okay. left. So All you right. still could wind up with a pretty good average. <clears throat> Number four Flying Saucer Cemetery, Space mm. Station Seven, Zombified mm. Inspector. Solaronite. Uh, Armies of the Dead. What? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this one. Okay, I'm going to go watch them in full, but you need to go watch Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, I should have gotten that one. Yeah, Although I don't know that much about that movie, to be honest with you. So. Oh, my God. It's a it's yeah. a hoot. Okay, last one. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure this is going to go too well, but maybe, maybe you'll pull it off. You, you surprised, you've surprised me before. Nuclear-powered spaceship, hand and gas grenades, hull airlock, humanoid life forms, the red planet. Uh, Mar Invaders from Mars. Mm, is that a thing? Is that a movie? I think. <laughs> no, no. This one. Okay. I, this it came is, from out of space. You're. That's so close. Um. I don't know. What Actually, is I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll give that to you. I don't give a fuck. Um. The so cool. technically the title is it the terror from beyond space. Uh. Okay. All right. All right? And yeah. so this this movie was uh is notable in particular because it was the original inspiration for Dan O'Bannon's screenplay for the original oh. Alien movie, which is one of my favorite films. Mine too. So um, there we go. Uh, let's want to tease the next season. Oh my God. Or, sorry, we, cycle. We've got <laughs> to. We've got I want to say season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we need to just give in and start calling him season. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing next season? Uh, we are, and I kind of foreshadowed this a bit earlier, referring to the day the earth stood still, camp cinema. I'm Ooh. so scared to do this one, speaking of horror. Um, but we are excited to to, to delve into what exactly Susan Sontag actually meant when she originally wrote um, Notes on Camp uh, back in the day uh, and how that, you know, has been prevalent ever since the 1950s. It's um, also going to culminate in our 100th episode. What? That's crazy. Yeah. That's so amazing. the last episode of the next season, Camp, uh, will be our 100th episode. So yeah. I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of different movies, mm -hmm. uh, different genres all over the place. 
um, or we'll have some old friends back on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a nice change of pace from the the dark yes. uh, sort yes. of awfulness of sci-fi sometimes, but uh, I'm very, very excited for the new season. Um, thanks for listening. This has been Film Trace. Film Trace.